Hello, friends, and welcome back to Dapper Notes, the podcast where I share the behind the scenes and the making of all Dapper Notes and accessories. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. Her name is Marcy Alvis Walker, and she will correct me in a moment if I said it wrong. <laughs> she is a teacher and an activist. Marcy runs Black Coffee with White Friends, which is how I found about her in the first place. It is a blog. It is a fantastic Instagram that inspires through her writing and through thought leadership. She runs Mockingbird History Lessons for Adults, which is a Patreon for reteaching history with all of the important contexts that were stripped away from our educational systems. She runs the Cream and Sugar Book Club, where she cultivates meaningful discussion around difficult topics. And in the last few weeks, Marcy has been a collaborator with me and my pocket notebook. So we'll get to that soon enough. But first and foremost, I want to try to find out how do you have time for <laughs> all of these projects in your day? There is so much coming out. Where do you find the time? But also, welcome to the show. It's so nice to have you here. But also, where do you find the time to even talk to me? How do you make it all happen? Well, you know, I I'll tell you. Um, I'm older. I, ha I have a daughter who's now a freshman in college. Um, but I'll tell you, there were some years where I would have never had the time for all of this. Um, never. Um, um, we were a busy family. We were a foster family. So we had like kids all the time. And um, I remember one of our foster to adopt um, attempts fell apart. And I was devastated. And my husband's mom, my, my, my mother-in-law, so beautifully said to me, you know, the time you have with your daughter, your, your, your actual daughter is going to go back quick. She said that because I was like ready to go try to adopt again. But um, I thought about that. And that was the year that everything changed for us. And um, suddenly I was on this path of activism and it all came from my daughter's school. And I always think that having her let go of a lot of things that were happening in my life, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just thought, okay, I'm going to, um, I guess, be a, at home with one kid who doesn't need me because she's 13 or like, and then, um, some things started happening at her school that were race related and um, it just changed everything. It changed everything. So that's it. That's how I had the time. Um, I think for me, I, I have no excuse but to use my time in this way right now in my life. Um, I think at this age, this is what everyone should be doing. One hundred percent. It, it is a choice. It is a choice to say, <laughs> yeah. I want to spend my time doing this because this is so important, not just yeah. for me, but for the yeah. future of the world. And the future of the world cannot exist without me and you and everybody else choosing to do that. So yeah. you've made that choice very, very clear. But you've also not just made the choice to spend some time on it. You've made the choice to spend most of your time. Yeah, it. yeah. And you're very fueled by all of this work. It, it, it appears, at least from the outside. 
Yeah, yeah, I am. And and a little neurotic, too. I'll admit it. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, what am I going to well, do? Well, that helps. <laughs> you have such a large library of knowledge. You have so many things to choose from. I'm actually curious, how do you pick what to use for discussion? You have, I'm, I'm curious more from a, from a designer's perspective, how do you organize all of this information and then curate it in such a way that every single thing that you put out there makes sense for a certain time that you're making sure that from this vast library of knowledge and information and learning that you're doing the right teaching in the right way at the right moment. There's a lot of work that goes into putting even a small piece of information out there that is meaningful. How do you arrange for all of it? How do you plan for this? Um, that's a really good question. I, I don't, I don't plan. It's, it's different for each Thing that I'm working on. So for the blog itself, um, those letters and, and blog posts are usually driven by whatever personally is happening. If I, if I think of something that I want my daughter to know or, or that I want the next generation to know, um, I might write about it. I love those letters. The letters to your daughter. Yeah. Oh, so. they are, they're clearly coming from the heart. Yes, I, yeah. I, I get so, those. So it'll be on that. And then... Um, as far as the Instagram feed goes, Black Coffee White Friends, that's a personal thing for me. Like it, it is, it is really whatever it's posted there. It's what I'm thinking about in the moment. It is, it's really not, um, it's not planned. Like I know some people, I tried planning posts, but I, I, I couldn't because I kept changing it. Like I make a plan and then I decide, well. I'm going to talk about this instead. So I've stopped doing that. But it's really how I'm actually living in the world. That's where that comes from. So if I'm reading something or I've just read something, I more than likely will post about it. Or if I heard a conversation or heard about something that I think is a little crazy or a little hurtful in the world, I'll want to address it. So that's how that happens. The rest of it, the the actual look of the feed is also about how I'm feeling. Like right now I have some colors that Simon did for me that are all based on a painting. Um, I can't even think of the artist right now, but um, they're all based on a painting from the WPA artist of during um, the depression. So it comes from, all the colors are directly from that painting because I stared at it and talked about it and annoyed him and annoyed my daughter and kept saying, Oh, look at this picture. <laughs> like I kept like, like going back to this picture and it was a picture of black figures reading in a library. And it was pretty controversial in the sense that so many black, there weren't very many black libraries and they were, not allowed to be in libraries and so there's this beautiful picture of what it would look like that kind of learning and i i could go on and on but and i did for a long time so he's so simon's like why don't we just make those your colors and and i think it was a little like why don't we make these your colors so we can move on and talk about other things in the world so <laughs> he got you um, <laughs> So I live with those topics that are in Black Coffee with White Friends. And then as far as the topics for Mockingbird, that takes a lot more forethought. The funny thing was I planned my curriculum and syllabus for, for those history lessons 
a year in advance. So I had wow. it and I, and I rarely strayed from it. And it just so happened that things landed the way that they did. I, I, it was like, I remember we did Gone with the Wind the week that everyone was canceling Gone with the Wind. <laughs> it's like I couldn't have planned it. And it seemed like I was planning all this. And I was just like, gosh, I, I am not that smart. Like I, I couldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of it in that way. So that was just me looking at different um, history. What I did is I look at, I look at historical timelines. I love them. Um, and I try to find as many different ones as I can. And then from those historical timelines, like this happened and we, something that you would learn in a history class, I go, well, what, were, what was the music of that time? I know there was a war, but what was the music? I know there was a war, but what was the art? I know there was a, a protest, but what was the movie? Um, because there's so much of history that's really being told in what we do socially and, and artistically and culturally that's, much more fun the way to learn about history, right? Um, For sure. There's also a lot of context that usually when we're learning about history, yeah. it's dry facts. And if you teach the context, you actually bring people into the experience in a way that's oh, yeah. so much more relatable. Makes it's so much more so, sense. So much more relatable. And I think just even with um, the history that art is making now is so different than um, the history let's say during the civil rights protests of um, the 60s. Because right now we have a lot of lettering and graphic design because we're on social media. So right. that's a history there. And it's very different than the, the photographs that we had um, to look back on and the, the music of the, of the protests. So it's very different because of social media it's just changed everything and i'm a little jealous that i won't live long enough to be able to look back and say you know wow that's the history of our collected history the cultural social um artist of the time like I, I won't be there to see it but i'm i'm really you're excited part of it right for, now though yeah you, you are literally yeah. partaking in in a part of this history and moving things in a specific way and being part of this collective voice yeah i am a little jealous because there, there's just so much that i can't i can't possibly know that's happening right now yes and um i i always feel like i have fomo about about um the history that I don't know is being made right now um, and the names that I won't know and the art that's being made and the stories that are being told that I won't hear. That's a lot of pressure to have every day, I have to say. <laughs> it's not easy to live through. But it's to, to not easy point, to live with me either. I'll admit it. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> I, I have to say, though, with everything that you've mentioned and how, how you plan all these things, it just comes to show you can plan all you want. But that it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you know, for, for the Instagram example, right? You're planning and planning and planning, but then the most natural thing in the world is what worked best. And for the Patreon, you planned, planned, and planned, and that worked out so much more perfectly than you were planning for it to. Yeah. So like all the planning, it's not it's not even our in our hands. 
But even though the, it's not in our hands, all we have to do is just play our part to do the best mm -hmm. that we can to deliver those messages with whatever way we can. And that yeah. can change even with one person with you who has so much FOMO about everything. <laughs> it changes from moment to moment <laughs> and from place to place because we can't control it. You're just trying to deliver messages. That's what you're doing. Right. This is your mission. That's that's right. everything you're doing in life. All of this education, it's just there to bring information from one person to the next in a meaningful way. And the planning almost doesn't matter. Right, right. Um, and and I think it's the it's all those connecting things that you can't plan for that actually make the art in a way. It it's 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 the thing of the art. It's the um there's in in Hebrew, I think, I think it's in Hebrew. Oh, I can help you out here. Uh, <laughs> um I've been listening to the I know I've been listening to this um this teacher who teaches he's he's fluent in um Hebrew and in Aramaic Aramaic language. And so mm. he was saying that when in in Genesis it says in the beginning. And he's like, that is a bigger statement than, than just in the beginning. It's more yes. like the before the before, the beginning within the beginning. And I think that with art, there is a beginning within the beginning. And I think that's the stuff that you don't count for, the stuff that just creates out of itself, the timing thing, the connecting of um, you're working on this thing and then suddenly someone who is working on something very similar or complementary to it reaches out to you. It's just all so um, deeper and much more poignant than we allow, I think, sometimes. We, we want to control it. I know I do. But, um, <laughs> but when I, I found that the best things come when I, when I don't, when I, when, I, when I can just allow something to be what it is, which, you know, is a learning process. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you straight out. It's something that you learn along the way and keep yourself open for. Yeah, definitely. It's very hard as an artist to detach yourself from the work as a singular being mm -hmm. and just yeah. let the work be the work and you be the deliverer of that work. I can Absolutely. very much relate to that. I, yeah. I, I'll make these pocket notebooks, right? The one that we yeah. just made a pocket notebook together. We're talking about this before it's out there in the world. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen to it. I don't know what's gonna what kind of conversation is going to cause. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to make people feel. I mm -hmm. don't know if people will relate to it in a meaningful way. Although I do hope and we try, but to me, it's just I try my best. I create the thing, and it applies yeah. to you. It applies to every artist. And the best we can do is let let that speak for itself in some level, so that people can then create their own meaning. And then add to it through through the way they use art, through the way they look at art, through the way they repurpose art, through mm -hmm. the way they recreate their own versions of that art, so that they can, yeah. they can amplify whatever it means to them. Yeah, something very beautiful it. about how art is is a being of its own. That as a creator, there was a movement in the '80s, I think it was, mm -hmm. where people were trying to detach so much from the creator that they ended up. I forgot what this movement was called, but some artists took photographs of paintings and then put them as gallery in galleries as their own work. Oh, uh, it's wow. They call it the the death of the artist. I think that's what it was called, the death of the artist. Oh, and it was that kind makes of me so sad. <laughs> <laughs> but it it was about getting people used to to thinking about the detachment of the artist from the from the work itself. Yes, it, it was extremely controversial for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. But in a way, we have to kind of allow ourselves to let to define or rather to find that balance between choosing to be involved in a certain way and then also letting something take its course, which is not necessarily the truth with with politics. There, there yeah. we have to, there we have to choose. There we have to take exactly. action and yeah. and be very intentional with our movements because it's not the same. They serve different purposes in life and in, in leadership right. for sure. Yeah, which is a sure. nice segue into the work that we did together. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so I reach out to you asking to help me find an important message that is super important for right now and for moving forward. Right now we're before the US elections and there is a need for new leadership. There's a need for people to stand up. There's a need for people to understand the importance of good leadership and our parts, playing our parts in it. And you came back with something that is not just perfect, but helped me understand things in a new light. So you shared the words of Octavia Butler. Mm -hmm. And you also sent it to me right before Yom Kippur, which was really, really <laughs> nice timing. Yom Kippur, for those who don't know, it's a day that Jews reflect in the last year and plan hopefully for, for the next year for a better one. And the words that you send my way help me personally understand the state that we're in right now. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. not as an acceptance, not as in judgment, but just have a better context. And these are not new words. These words were written in the nineties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're <laughs> and, not I was just looking that up. They're not they're not new words. So relevant today. This is so Octavia mm -hmm. Butler wrote a lot of books. She's a very very prolific science fiction writer and she wrote two in a series called the parable of the sower and the parable of the talents yeah. and this one's from the latter yes and yes. i'm actually curious to hear from you mm -hmm. more about this body of work because i hadn't read those two novels of hers so i was okay. not familiar with them and i wanted to know what led you to first of all pick octavia butler as a person to lead us through this conversation and how those works, which I read about them, so I know a little bit about what they are, but how yeah. they relate to what's happening today in our international climate and conversation. Well, you know, for me, I, I turn to fiction a lot. There's this wonderful podcast called um, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. And hmm. um, they, it's, it's, two divinity students from Harvard. I, they've long since graduated and they're doing their own thing. And one is a humanist and one is an atheist, but they're looking at Harry Potter as a sacred text. And they're asking, they've had rabbis, they've had pastors, they've had um, all kinds of different spiritual leaders come and look at this text together. Um, and, they, and they do this brilliant, brilliant job with it. Um, even with the problems that have now just come to light with um, the author and the trans community, right. they've, they're even addressing that. So you have, and she's um, one of the hosts is Jewish from, from um, a Jewish girl. And it's, it's just this amazing way of looking at fiction, like not just as you read a book and you put it down, but, how do books change us and how do they change the culture? And um, when Brianna Taylor's um, death first was reported, she'd actually, the whole incident had happened long before we Americans all knew about it. 
um, people were saying, well, what about this girl that no one's talking about? And so, I don't know. Some I had had Octavia Butler on my radar to read, and I was like, I think I need to read this book now. I think I need to hear the voice of a young African-American girl. Um, and that's what this book is. It's about this young girl who is living in this dystopian um, time where mm -hmm. everything has broken down. Government has broken down. Systems have broken down. The water source is, is broken down. The, the world is really, there's more earthquake. There's very little rain. Um, there, everything, there's no longer, they're making acorn bread because there's no longer wheat. Um, is a completely different world and there's so much corruption within it and humanity has kind of folded in on itself and to hear this girl who decides well religion doesn't work and government doesn't work I think I'm going to make my own religion <laughs> and um, she starts to build her own religion and the quote that we use is basically her saying this is how we should be choosing leaders. This is, this is what it means to be a wise and useful citizen in a world that has no time to make the wrong choice. Then that's the situation in this book is that there's no time. They can't afford to choose the wrong leader because it is a life or death situation for every single person. There's even the wealthy are struggling like there, there's no like their wealth there's still the hierarchy of wealth but it's not the as we know it it's not where like right now um i have in my family people who are essential workers who work at amazon and they work um at the mall and it's it's a whole different experience than say simon and i who work from our home and I remember having a conversation with my sister and I was saying how, yeah, I needed to, go, to put my grocery order in because they were going to bring the groceries. And my sister was just like, someone brings you your groceries? And it was like this totally, I was having, and this is my, my sister who I love, so I'm having like this totally different experience of the pandemic yes. than she is. So in this book, these two books that, Octavia, Octavia Butler has written, even that is gone. Like uh -huh. we're all in a pandemic, but right now we're not in the in it the same way, and every community is not in it in the same way. Um, it's it's a different experience depending on your haves, and in this book, there are no haves. The haves are very few, and it's very slim. Um, one of the things that is a great thing that people can have in this book is if you're wealthy enough to have a dog and the choice in the book, it's pretty grim. It's like, if you're wealthy enough to have a dog that you don't need to eat, you're wealthy. Like oh, wow. if you can have a dog to protect you that you don't need for meat on the table, then aren't you so fortunate? So it's that kind of a world. And um, I don't know. I felt, I've been feeling at the time that the world wasn't really paying attention. And this girl, the, 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 the character in the book, she also feels like the world is not paying attention. And I, and I just 
I just want for people to know that this election, this particular election, it's more than liking or not liking a candidate. It's more about what you believe democracy should look like because we've all had precedents that we didn't like, right? right? Or we've all voted for people that didn't win or or did win, but we've all been there. But I don't think we've ever been in a position where we don't know which depending on which candidate, we don't know what kind of government we'll have. And that's really terrifying <laughs> for me Extremely. to think that um, it sh we should always, that the, the way that it's set up is that our constitution and our declaration of independence and our government is set up is that no matter who the candidate is, the government is what it is, what it is. But we have found over the past four years that that's not the case. There, there, are, there are things that we didn't see coming and now they're here. And we can blame the current administration, but really it's not their fault. <laughs> it, is, it is the fault of perhaps we were sleeping on some things that we should have been paying attention to long ago. And um, while I certainly don't give anyone right now a pass <laughs> in that administration, I certainly am not so inclined to think that we'll just vote, that'll be the end of it, and we'll win, you know, and everything will go back to normal. I, I hope that, if anything, we've learned that democracy is a lot more than some of the tenets that we believe that they are. What does it mean to have the right to carry an armed weapon? What does that mean? We never had to question it, but now we're questioning it. Definitely. What does it mean to vote, to have the right to vote? And does that include having an easy way of voting? Is that part of that right? Do we need to make it part of that right? Like there's so many things that are now in the question that never were in the question. And so this book, um, what Octavia Butler wrote is eerily um, prophetic. It's very Oof. strange to read. So I made my husband read it too. I'm like, you have to read this with me because I'm going to need to talk about this <laughs> as I'm reading. Well, I know what I'm going to be reading this weekend. <laughs> it's an easy read too. It's easy in the sense that her language is so, it's, it's, you feel like you're eavesdropping on a life. So it's really easy to read, but it's hard to read because there are very uncomfortable things in it that are very reminiscent of what we're experiencing today in this election year. With all of that and how eerily similar, as you started describing it, it sounded like we were just talking about our world right now. But then there were a few components that did make it seem a little more dystopian. And I, yeah. I pray to God that we never get to that state. Yeah. And out of all of that, it seems to me, because the only text that I have is what you've shared with me. And mm -hmm. from that, there still seems to be some sort of a hope. Mm -hmm. But the hope comes with a sort of requirement for action on our end. And that's what it's all about. It's about us. Like we are the ones who can make sure we can start moving up from whatever 
horrific and difficult situation we're in right now. Thankfully, not as extreme as what Octavia Butler wrote, but eerily similar, like you said. It yeah, does sound yeah. like we're almost living mm-hmm. through that kind of a time right now, and in many ways we are. And if we're not taking responsibility, not just right now, you're right. This election is not a one shot. Hey, I cast my vote and we're done. It's right. about always maintaining that sort of even low level activism of always voting. And then on top of that, doing so many other things to make sure that we a move away from the situation, b mm-hmm. improve on everything so that we understand so that there's some sort of at least base level of comfort knowing we have a government that we can start relying on to take care of its people and right. have leaders that are true leaders in the true mm-hmm. sense of the word leaders that are and to quote Octavia Butler leaders that are not cowards that are not fools thieves liars or tyrants right exactly exactly and it, it it's it really is the like is the cherry on top of everything for this book and i think with the voting, the one thing that I would say, it's, it's when you choose leaders in this way, you have to choose them for everyone. And I think that that's been a difficulty in our country is that we've often chosen leaders that will hurt someone else. And, yeah. I, and, and, I'm, and I'm not just talking about 2016's election. I think in general, we haven't always thought, okay, I'm going to vote for this person because I'm a Republican or because I'm a Democrat, because I'm an independent. But really, I think we have to um, vote with a lot more clarity of what the effect of our Republican, Democrat or independent vote does for the most marginalized in our community. Because if we have marginalized people in our community, it's proof that we all can be marginalized. 100%. So if you don't vote for the very chorus, what you're saying is that you don't believe that it's possible for you to ever be that poor. And that's just not true. Life is a fragile thing and community is fragile. And we are really the best of our very, very weakest, weakest links in this country. And I think that our weak links are really showing themselves in this pandemic. Like, where are we weak in healthcare? Where are we weak in education? Where are we weak in job security and in the economy? Um, So when we see these things, it's important that we vote to fix those things because um, it affects all of us. And I think so often we've voted against ourselves thinking that our own protection um, is the most important thing. And often what happens with that is that our, when, we, when we vote to protect just ourselves, we end up not protecting someone else. And I know that a lot of people, just to be blunt, will vote for the unborn. And I, and I, hear, I hear that. <laughs> I do hear that. Um, certainly don't want to take that away from you but i also ask that you think of the living as well because it's really important that we take care of the the lives that are currently here and they need that vote as well this reminds me of um 
another quote from another author, and I don't recall who it is, <laughs> who, who wrote, the best help one can give themselves is helping someone else. Oh, yeah. I agree and with that. Voting selfishly is only helping yourself in the short term, and it's helping mm -hmm. no one else in the long term. Right. And no one else can include your children. So exactly. if you want to even be selfish about this, well, be selfish in a way that includes at least those close to you. And hopefully yeah. those that are not so visible to you because that's the best way you're going to help yourself. And people really have a hard time seeing that. But I, thankfully, through so many conversations and the amplification of conversation that's had, happening today, we mm -hmm. are seeing shifts towards people being made more aware this pandemic yeah. did help expose all these things so mm -hmm. that we can have these conversations which is really really important and of course i wish we didn't have to have it happen through this pandemic but it, yeah I it's know. so important that we that we are having these conversations and it's so important that we all remember to take our part in helping others because it will help ourselves and to that end um, I don't want to take you, and I know it's it's time for you to go. We set a time on <laughs> how long we'll be speaking today, and we can go on for much longer. I did want to mention that some proceeds from the notebooks will go to Color of Change, and that's an organization that you should independently, I'll put a link in the show notes, check out Colors, Color of Change. Marcy and I were talking before we started recording about it. Share some more, if you can, for just a brief moment about the importance of their work and how they will help an individual like me who doesn't necessarily always have the time. Like we're talking lofty goals, you know, mm -hmm. take the time to do this, to do that. Well, a lot of us say, you know what, I don't have the time in my day to do that. But it sounds like an organization like Color of Change will actually empower you to take small actions that will help. So tell me a little bit more about that and how important it is to join them and someone yeah. like them. Well, it's been, it's been a real lifesaver for myself because there's so many things that I, I care very deeply about. Um, what Color of Change does is that they are actually on the ground. Um, they are talking to state officials. They are at the White House. They are making meetings and um, actually um, helping to change legislature. Um, they're, they're those people. I'm not that kind of a person. I'm, I'm not doing that. But they are doing those things. And what they do is they will tell you, okay, this bill is up. And if you care about global warming, you can sign this petition and you can donate here. And so you, have, you don't have it to do anything but sign up for the emails and they will email you um, the things that you're concerned about. And so when they email you, you can either sign the petition and they let you know like what that petition does. So it's mm -hmm. like, this is the petition and then we have to take it to this person. And then that person will take it to the next level. And this is how we are trying to change things that need changing in our um, culture and communities and in our government. So that's why I adore this organization because they make it so very simple and then they'll ask you like you sign the petition you can send it to a friend you can send it i usually send it to family members who also care about the same things 
I'm not one for sending things to people who are just like, I don't care about this, <laughs> but sending it to people who actually care about the same things that I care about. And it's a really good feeling to know that they're out there making change and then they let you know what happened. So a lot of times people sign a petition and they never hear like, what did we, did that happen? Yeah, exactly. So they let you know what happens when you, with these petitions and with these um, calls for justice. So they are very much about justice for all people, all religions, all faith, all gender, all identity. So I am very much about that as well. I want all people to feel seen, heard, loved, and worthy. So if there's an organization that is about that, I want to be part of it. But of course, I'm I'm not very savant on politics or like, I don't know all these things. So to have someone just send it to my email and I can read about it and decide, you know, which step I'm going to take. And they usually give you like three different things that you can do as well as videos and links. So it's just a great way to really feel if you ever have that moment where you're just like, it's overwhelming. I don't know what to do. Color of Change is a great organization to get connected to because you can actually go to bed at night knowing that you did something to help change the things that mean something to you. I love it. I love how you can almost without effort yeah. Keep yourself educated mm-hmm. and actually do something and it's it's hand delivered to you. It's yeah. the same way. That's that like uh, I feel similarly although I don't always have an action but you know seeing your work come out from Black Coffee with White Friends regularly keeps me informed and educated in an almost lazy and easy way. It's just <laughs> you have a thing, I go read it, I learn something <laughs> and this is something that actually drives action and leadership in local state and national government so that's really really helpful and important and i love 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 that you brought this organization to my attention it's Mm -hmm. it it ties into everything so beautifully and so perfectly and marcy i thank you so so very much for being able to work with me on this thing for coming in at exactly the right time for all the timing of this working out so perfectly i ended up having having to do it in a rush because uh, i did it very last minute through the jewish holidays whatever my fault and yet you were able to to come in at exactly the right times and I was able to pull this together in a very tight timeline and release all of this information in time for people to take critical action now and moving forward forever. So Marcy, thank you so, so very much for playing a part in this. Really, truly thank you. Uh, I'm so happy for the invitation. Your work is so beautiful. And To see your vision, oh my gosh, when we saw it, Simon and I were just so moved. And it was also very healing to see it. You know, it's a hard world. And to see something so beautiful, what you're doing with Dapper Notes is beautiful. So thank you for that. It was my pleasure to be part of this. Thank you. And thank you to Simon for helping us with his beautiful work. That is also, Simon is the designer of the font that makes an appearance on the cover of this edition. So I will <laughs> I will put a link to his work as well. Uh, thank you to him as well for helping uh, provide you with a visual language to convey your message yeah. and ultimately yeah. sharing, letting me 
share your、mm. visual language. Although the colors have changed, and now I fully understand why. Thank you for explaining that. But I was so happy with the colors you picked. I love them. Oh my gosh! I I I, I was so thrilled. Yeah. Nice. The, the gradients just work really well for a notebook cover.、Oh. I thought more than a solid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs>、nice. Love it. Love it. I'm so happy to hear it. Okay,、yeah. awesome. So I'll I'll share links to Marcy's work. You should, at a bare minimum, check out Black Coffee with White Friends, and check out Color of Change. If you're going to do、yeah. only one or two things, those are the things you should do and get started and pledge to yourself to try to do some good for others, so that you can do good for yourself and hopefully make sure that we pick leaders that will actually be. Good leaders for us in the way、mm-hmm. that a good leader means to be good, truly good.、Yeah. Thank you so much, Marcy. You're so welcome. Thank you. Wow, what, what an incredible conversation! What an incredible human! I, I'm now done <laughs> recording with Marcy. This is just me solo,、uh, leaving a few extra notes that I just wanted to talk about the physical parts of the notebooks. As you know, in this. Podcast. I also share not just the story behind how the notebooks came to be, and if they have a message, the message as well, but also some interesting facts about the physical craft of putting them together. So here you go. Just a couple of small things. First and foremost, like I said, I I really waited to the last minute to get this started. You know, Marcy is someone whose work I've been following from when Black Coffee and Black Coffee with White Friends. Started a couple years ago, and it's actually thanks to Simon, who is her husband, who I, we mentioned at the end of the show. He's a designer that I followed for a while because I'm a designer. And when he shared the logo that he made for Black Coffee and White Friends, that's when I discovered the work, and I've been following Marcy ever since, and and learning and appreciating, and joined the book club. And there's so much amazing work that she does, and I felt very comfortable reaching out and saying, "Hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm trying to do with Dapper Notes." Can you lend a hand? And it's been incredible working together. Really, really, really quickly, I made a very large amount of notebooks in an extremely short amount of time. I finished from the moment that I received the fabric in hand. This was a custom printed fabric with the designs that the designs themselves are in the look and feel of Black Coffee with White Friends post. So if you look at the Instagram there, you'll see exactly what I mean. That's just the style of her work, the fonts, the colors, whatever it is. I also Illustrated the cover where I had a nice、uh, little drawing of Octavia Butler that I made, so it kind of came together with another visual. But from the moment that I got the fabrics until I finished putting it together was a total of about four days, and it's not just four regular days; four days where I also have a full-time job, so four part days, so four half days. Very very quick turnaround time, and that is thanks to me using. Fabrics and materials that I have used before. So I used a regular fabric. Although this time, I chose an organic cotton that has a slightly lower fray rate. It still frays. It's going to be a fabric that frays because cotton fabric always will. But it's slightly less than what you normally would see from cotton. It also has a slightly duller color profile, which I wanted. I didn't want the colors to be screaming in your face. I wanted them to feel more. Like the work that Marcy posts all the time, so that worked really nicely for that fabric. The end sheets is the same kind of paper that I used for the New York Rhapsody edition, so I was already familiar with all these materials, and that allowed me to just put it together, 
I wouldn't say without thinking, because there's still a lot of thought and work that goes into it, but allowing to put it together very, very efficiently. So that was very, very exciting. I'm very happy about that. Now, as I try to do with most editions, I try to waste the least amount of fabric possible. And this is no exception. With this edition, when I sent it to print, there was a strip of fabric around, I want to say four and a half inches tall. So not enough to make a full-size notebook, but enough to print more designs for a slightly smaller notebook. And so there are some available, a small amount of junior-sized for this particular edition. I like to try to do that when I can, and this time I could, so I did, and here it is. The edition is all with lined paper inside, which I thought would be apropos, since this celebrates the work of a writer. Lined paper just felt like the right choice for this, and you'll see inside, if you've gotten lined notebooks from Dapper Notes before, the larger size, the regular size notebook, has these gold lines on top instead of the blue ones that you've seen before, although the blue lines still exist on the smaller junior size notebooks that I've made for this edition. And this is a new, a slightly revised version of the lined paper that I've reprinted so that it works slightly better for the fit of the page. The other one, the blue one that I used previously up until now, was slightly closer to the edge on top and bottom. And using this slightly new layout, I'm saying slightly a lot, sorry, but slightly new layout, uh, allowed the crop to feel more comfortable for writing. So you're not writing all the way on the top or all the way on the bottom of the page. So I think it just, it works better. It is, I'll say once again, slightly better. And you'll note the difference by the color on the top of the page. And finally, uh, there are three colorways. All the notebooks are exactly the same inside with the bright green end sheet to match and the same color thread, which is a nice pale yellow that matches the bottom of the gradient. But I chose three gradients from Marcy's work. One of them starts on the top. They all, <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit clearer here. They all lead to the, actually the same lemony kind of yellow on the bottom, all three gradients. It's the same exact color on the bottom. They look different because the color on the top is different. One of them is a salmon type of pink that goes all the way to that lemon. One of them is a lime that goes into lemons. That's a lemon lime. And the last is hard to describe this blue. I, when I was talking to Stuart from Nero and telling him about this edition, I called it pre-dawn blue. It's kind of the color of the sky, like right before the light comes up. And, and in fact, this gradient on the blue one also has a slight feeling of, you know, early morning sky. So there you have it. Those are the three gradients that they come in. They all have an illustration of Octavia on one side with uh, the words, choose your leaders with wisdom and forethought. On the other side, they all have the same words, kindness, ease, change, which is also words from the same, I believe from the same parable that Octavia Butler wrote. And on the inside, for the very first time, I have end sheets that are not just a pattern or a color or design, but include this poem, if you will. It's, I, don't, I don't think it's a poem in the story. Like I, like I said, I didn't read it, so I don't know for sure, but I will get to it soon. But it's laid out like a poem, and it hopefully will inspire you with this notebook to maybe write down thoughts of how you are going to take part in creating change for yourself, for others, and for future generations. So that is the end of the physical construction of this notebook. They are available on dappernotes.com and on Nero's Notes, both sizes, the regular 
small, all colors available on both our websites. Or if you're in the UK or in Europe, visit nerosnotes.co.uk to get yours. If you are anywhere else in the world, come to dappernotes.com where you can also subscribe and sign up for the Bookhead Club and get these editions, editions like these, exciting ones, all year round. I'm very happy that I was able to continue the trend of collaborations, culminating with a very, very important one this October. So thank you for listening. Thank you once again so, so much to Marcy for helping make this happen. And thank you for playing your part in making the world, hopefully, a more informed, more active, and better place. That is it for now. And until next time, this has been Dapper Notes. Thank you.